following is a presentation of Learfield IMG College. From the Georgia Southern Sports Network, powered by Learfield IMG College. Wings up, Eagle Nation! Touchdown, Georgia Southern! This is Inside Eagle Nation, your all-access look into Eagle Athletics. Taking a look through all the other action in Georgia Southern Athletics this past week, a lot of road action, a lot of teams hitting the old I-16 out of town. Getting on the steel horse and taking us to parts north, south, west, wherever. Can't really go too much farther east. Now let's return to the Learfield IMG College studios. Here are your hosts, Colin Lacey and Danny Reed. That's a fact, Jack. into another edition of Inside Eagle Nation, episode number 163. Did you ever think we'd make it this long? I, I know we've said many times that I didn't know we were going to make it to two, but 163, Danny Reed. Look, it was more or less that first episode, making sure that the... <laughs> once we got there, the hard part was over. Once the mixing board turned on and we told everybody what we were doing, like, oh, that's a neat idea. And we kept adding to it and kept adding to it. And now we have our little bunker here at the bottom of Hannerfield House. And once we get to 200, I'm sure the walls will have more things on them. We'll have all kinds of things that we could talk about going into next football season. We've got a slam-packed episode. And you and I talk about a lot. The There's a line of what you can do with what you have. Well, we might be towing that line, and it might be a lane violation today. We've got three different people going to join us in this week's edition of Inside Eagle Nation. That's a record. That is. And we might hit another record. We'll get to that in a moment. Okay. Well, we're going to have Brant Freeman, the ESPN voice for Texas State, coming up to help us preview the Texas swings as UT Arlington and Texas State going to be coming inside the Hander Fieldhouse for Georgia Southern men's basketball. Also, Sam Wiederhaft going to be coming in as Coastal Carolina's ESPN Plus voice as he will help us preview Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina on the women's side. They make the Carolina swing Thursday up at the HTC Center and then Saturday up at the Holmes Convocation Center in Boone, North Carolina. But we will get to that in a moment. Three, 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 three feet above sea level oh no we ain't getting into that we ain't got that kind of time with all these guests we don't have time for that first one we have to get to is chad jackson the director of athletic communications for georgia southern chad appreciate you joining us thank you first time in in this uh nice little studio here do you like the place I it looks pretty good I, yeah doesn't it? you like oh, our digs absolutely all right <laughs> well it's be a while to get down here and that's find it, but once i'm in here well, it took yeah, us a while to get nice. down here too about yeah. 140 episodes <laughs> that's a while to find it too but we're bringing you in to talk about the armstrong hall of champions but i think you might be setting a record for inside eagle nation because you've been on i think this is your third time now fourth time maybe I, third or fourth, I know I was on uh, during the summer. Right. Uh, and then I was on once uh, when we were on the road. That's right. I think we were basketball. in New York. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, cause I think it's your fourth because we did your inside beyond the bio. Right. We did that from a suite at Stony Brook. <laughs> Very strange <laughs> setup up there. Then we had you on to talk about the history of the Armstrong Pirates. Right. I think we had you on one other time, and so I think this would be the fourth. This is a record. So another yes. record. Look at you. So two records. You're helping us that. break all kinds of records today. 
We're just rocking and rolling. But a special event for a lot of different people. You've got the Hall of Champions opening up down on the Armstrong campus. First and foremost, take us through what goes into that project and how, because I know it's been going on for a while. Right. Well, I, obviously, once the uh, the merger happened between the two schools, Armstrong State University and Georgia Southern University, we wanted to find a way that we could honor the Armstrong history of Armstrong athletics because the year of consolidation also happened to be the 50th year of pirate athletics. And we had a lot of things that happened throughout that year honoring that. And it's like, well, we don't want it to stop right there. Yeah. So Lisa Sweeney, uh, who was the athletic director at the time was the deputy AD here for a few years, uh, still works on the Armstrong campus, uh, got together with some people in the community as well as some people on the Georgia Southern campus and said, what is the best way for us to do this, to keep the pirates in mind and keep their legacy honored without, but still within the framework of Georgia Southern. And so what we did was we decided there's plenty. I mean, the Armstrong uh, Sports Center, that's now the rack down on the Armstrong campus, um, was where most of the coaches' offices, head coaches' offices were. The athletic staff offices were there. It's obviously where you played men's and women's basketball. This is the building that's most identifiable as Armstrong Athletics. And so we wanted to find a spot within that building that we could, you know, and originally it was just to keep the Hall of Fame. But then we were like, look, there's a lot more to Armstrong Athletics than just you know, the Hall of Fame. It's extensive, but there are many teams to be honored. There's many, there's much memorabilia. There's so many trophies uh, that were in the front of campus. Peach Belt Conference trophies, NCAA championship trophies, region trophies. You know, what is the best way for us to spotlight it all? And so through about a year process, uh, we came up with a design firm that designed the space and then the construction uh, followed from that. It's still under construction. It was originally supposed to be completed. The space was supposed to be completed in December. But again, with COVID, with supply chain issues, yeah. things have been pushed back. Um, but we are proud to finally say we're going to have it completed. Originally, we wanted to do the ribbon cutting this month, but it's been pushed to next month. But yeah, on the 11th of February, we'll be able to introduce everyone to the new hall of champions and it's going to be a fantastic space it's going to be interactive you're going to have a lot of trophies on display you're going to be able to see the complete list of all americans that played at armstrong you are going to see the hall of fame both in a wall display as well as an interactive display a touchscreen display and it should just be a really really fun day but a really appropriate space to encapsulate the history of pirate athletics We'll get into what that day looks like in just a few minutes, but it's something that you've been talking about and as many road trips as we go on. <laughs> I've gotten to hear about it over the last year or so. But the interactive touchscreen display that you've been talking about is something really cool that I don't know that a whole lot of people have heard about from the sense of there's so much information that you're able to put into it. And for somebody that knows as much about Armstrong Athletics as you do, being able to put all that information in on the back end so people can easily go and find anything they want to. Right. Basically from 1967, which is the first year that the Pirates, you know, were a four-year institution, Armstrong State University, Armstrong State College back then, until 2017, there's going to be a listing of every athletic team sponsored and the complete rosters. Now, one of the th things that I've been doing, and, and we are firmly uh, – this is going to be a ongoing thing. Everything that is in for that uh, 
grand opening or the ribbon cutting, that's not going to be all of the material that's going to be in that interactive touchscreen. It's going to be constantly updated because, again, I only got to Armstrong in 1999. You're talking about 30 years before that of history. We're going to be continuing to collect photographs, collect information that we can add to that interactive display. Right now, the way the interactive display, and there's going to be two of them, there's basically going to be three sections that are going to have the listing of the All-Americans, and then in between are your two touchscreen displays. You're going to have an interactive timeline of Armstrong Athletics. You're going to have a digital listing of the Hall of Fame members that goes into more detail about what they did at Armstrong. And then you're going to have that listing of every athletic team, every name, every headshot, if we have it. And again, I'm going to be going back into you know the Inkwell archives and Spanish Morning News archives to try and add as much photographs as we can find. And it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be constantly updated. We obviously have all that stuff for the last 15, 20 years as things moved more digitally. But if you talk, talk about going back to 1960s, 1970s, you know, that's a lot of PDFs and a lot of scanning of photos. <laughs> and and one, I'll give you an example. Uh, we have a, a woman named Patty Kaplan. She was an individual qualifier for the national championships in cross country in 1997. That was two years before I got there. I had nothing in my archives of her at all. No pictures, no nothing. I wow. was able to reach out to her and say, look, we're, we are creating this display. Do you have pictures that you can send me? And sure enough, you know, that weekend she did sent me pictures. That's going to be included in the display. And that's something that going into the grand opening, we want to get out there is, look, we want as much as possible from people who either played at Armstrong or know someone who played at Armstrong to give us that information so we can make it the most comprehensive display we can. With your experience, what has it been like marrying the history of Armstrong Athletics as part of now Georgia Southern Athletics? It's been different because, you know, there's there's obviously a stopping point. So it's not like you're updating anything. Everything that happened in 2007 is done. But the research never stops because, you know, I still get probably once every month or two, I still get requests from people, whether it's researchers, whether it's other schools, we still have some student athletes trying to play. So I have to keep that stuff as updated as possible. But then one of the things that's going to happen here in the next uh, year or so is that the Armstrong Pirates website is going to go away because, you know, it's been four years. Yeah. So one of the things we're currently exploring is how we can separate of the Hall of Champions is get that information underneath gseagles.com and underneath georgiasouthern.edu. One of the things that has been really great is both Henderson Library here on campus at Georgia Southern Lane Library on campus at Armstrong added a lot of information to the digital commons. So if you go onto georgiasouthern.edu, you can research and see a lot of stuff that's already been archived through that. Now, how do we put that into gseagles.com, or do we even need to? That's a discussion that's going to happen probably here within the next few months. Again, the Armstrong Hall of Champions going to have the grand opening Friday, February 11th at 2.30 on the Armstrong campus. Give us an idea of what that day looks like coming up here in uh, a little over a month. I mean, it's basically just a, a time to show off you know, all the construction and all, and all the way uh, – 
we wanted to present Pirate Athletics. You're going to have multiple trophy cases. It's going to have all the national championship trophies. It's going to have all the region championship trophies. But also one of the cool parts, it's going to be a, a double-sided trophy case. We're calling it the Memorable Moments trophy case. And it's going to be like a museum exhibit. It takes you from 1967 when, when the Pirates started throughout the first uh, athletic teams that had success, men's basketball in the 70s, which used to play down at the Savannah Civic Center used to routinely draw four or five thousand pack that gym um, going through the beginning of women's athletics under bj ford going through the the highly successful baseball program under joe roberts and so around that it's a case that will have trophies but also we hope to have some more memorabilia to add to that and it's basically just telling the story as much as we can we're also going to have uh a lot of the banners that actually hung in Alumni Arena, they're going to be on the wall that's going to be framed by the original floor of the basketball gym from the old uh, ARC, the Aquatics Recreation Center, which was built in 1965 on campus. Oh, that's that's cool. going to frame the banners. And the one thing we we're talking about is there's so many banners, we're not just going to put banners up and say that's it. Every so often, we're going to rotate out banners. We're going to make sure all sports that have uh, representation over the years. And so I think what we want to do to show this off, but we also want to tell people, you know, this is going to be an ongoing thing. We want to get them involved. We want to say, you know, if you have an idea of, hey, you want to see this softball or this baseball, let us know. And we're going to keep changing things out as long as we can. I know the Armstrong family has been a really tight-knit group even since the consolidation. We go on road trips all the time, and you're like, hey, this person <laughs> is here now. I'm going to go find them. We do it at Little Rock. I think we found somebody at Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. But what's the response been from the Armstrong family? I know you and Lisa Sweeney have kind of spearheaded this project. What's the response been from different people? Oh, it's been fantastic. It's It's been, you know, every person or every group that we've talked to, whether it be online or over the phone, has basically said, you know, this is something that we're glad is going to happen. But they've also, like I said before, they've wanted to be involved in it. You know, they're always like, let us know when this is going to happen. We have a baseball reunion in the fall down at Savannah Quarters and I was able to go to that and kind of talk to people we didn't have a lot of the details quite at that stage but you know we were like look this is going to be happening and to a man every one of those uh, former baseball players and coaches were like let us know and so when the release went out and the date was announced you know we've gotten so many social media mentions so many emails and texts from people you know telling us already they're going to be there for that february 11th date and we're just hoping that the social media outreach continues you know you get all of those former baseball players we have plenty of former soccer players who are in the area plenty of former basketball players who are in the area and we really just want to get that word out because it's a it's not a very big space it's a small space we would love to have that packed with former pirates coming back to see the hall of champions with so many projects that are about to take place yep. at Georgia Southern, the IPF, the convocations that are even in Statesboro, the revitalization of the Blue Mile in downtown, there's plenty that's going to be going on. But that's still quite a few months away, even from getting shovels in the ground and certainly a long way away from the finished product. But this is something, if people want to get involved that are passionate about Eagle Nation, it's coming up in five weeks. Absolutely. And again, you know, one of the big 
reasons for the consolidation, but one of also the big, you know, things for Georgia Southern as an administration and as an athletic administration is they want that Savannah presence. We've got, you know, now this Hall of Champions. We've got the new End Market Arena that's going to open up later this month. Right. We've got, we've already had the baseball team playing at Grayson Stadium. We've had, we've hosted Georgia Southern events on campus with volleyball. This is another reason to say, look, we can have an impact on the Savannah community here in Statesboro. By the way, we just got confirmation. Our buddy Moose saying this is your fourth time. Oh, look at that. Someone's keeping tabs. (laughs) This is a project. I don't know why that made me laugh. but (laughs) This is a project that you have put a lot of hard work into. Lisa Sweeney has put a a lot of hard work into. There's been so many people that have had a hand in this project. But for you, for Lisa, for the people that have kind of spearheaded it and seen it from the beginning until now, what does a project like this mean to know you're almost a month away? from the grand unveiling i mean i think it's one of those things where you know i've been over there a couple of times to take pictures to post on social media of the in progress but i think it's one of those things where i won't i won't be truly seeing the impact of this until i see other people see it because you know i work on a day-to-day basis it's been part of you know part of my job really for the last three or four years since i've come over from armstrong but to see some former student athletes to see some former coaches come and what that's going to be the 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 moment that i'm looking forward to the most Chad, really appreciate the time. Appreciate what you've done for this project especially, and I know it's really special for a lot of different people. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the time coming on, and uh, hopefully hopefully we'll get a fifth time on the podcast here sometime soon. <laughs> well, oh. don't you worry. One, one for the thumb. One for the thumb. <laughs> don't you worry. Hey, before we let you go, got to get your thoughts on the hot start for Georgia Southern women's basketball. For those sure. who don't know, Chad, the sports information director and the contact for women's basketball, for softball, for women's soccer as well. But 10-3 and three start for Georgia Southern women's basketball. You get the pain of having me in your ear for most of these games as my broadcast partner but thankfully you bring it to some kind of normalcy but what's this uh what's this team look like to you i mean it's one of those things where we talk about a lot in athletics about year three whether it be from a student athlete or a player standpoint or a coaching standpoint year three is where you see you should see the most most growth and the most impact and you're seeing year three under coach howard in full effect you have a team that is deeper than the other previous two years you have a team that can run out players that are they want to run her system and they can wear opponents down but also play at such a high level that you're not just throwing bodies out there to throw bodies these are very talented players offensively and defensively everyone knows their role everyone can step up as we just had this past thursday with people out against arkansas state you had you know someone like lydia freeman playing this playing a career high 20 minutes because of the shortage of the post players played really well you had maya burns once again coming through she has made so so many uh, steps forward in her third season with the Eagles. You know, the ten and three is the best start in nearly thirty years. Wow! But there's still room for improvement. I mean, I know there's people out there, and I know the coaches think you know it's ten and three, but they truly believe in their mind they should be thirteen and zero at this point. They had leads in all three of those losses in the second half, and so 
you know, you're now going to get into the rigors of Sunbelt Commerce. This is the last hurdle. It's how you are going to take this momentum and go into a conference play where week in, week out, you're playing two tough games, whether it be at home or on the road. You know, where are you going to see this team take that next step? You know, I don't want to put a goal on there. I know our coaches are probably thinking, you know, they want a championship. They want 20 wins. Sir. I just want to see this team day in, day out in the Sunbelt Conference start to get feared like some of the teams like Troy, like Little Rock. And I think that's starting to happen. Chad, appreciate the time. You and I are going to be hitting the road to Conway, South Carolina on Wednesday to take on Coastal Carolina, well, hopefully, <laughs> take on Coastal Carolina on Thursday and then make our way up the mountain on Saturday. Looking forward to another road trip. Appreciate you stopping by. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Once again, that's Chad Jackson, the Director of Athletic Communications for Georgia Southern Athletics, one of the great people around this department as we are going to catch up catch up with a lot of people he made his day (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about that he has become a knack by the way he has this thing and for whatever reason this year he has made it a point to try to mess me up as many times as he can he got the good one at auburn but it's about once a game where he will throw me off course well it's one of those you hear it and you think wait a minute that's not quite right or that's really funny or he just did that to mess me up something like that but as we look at georgia southern women's basketball got the victory last week in the lone game for georgia southern 84 75 and it was a week that was it was pretty strange across sunbelt conference as a whole you had a lot of cancellations across both men's and women's because of covid concerns some because of covid concerns plus injuries there was a lot of different things going on this past week but both sides you really saw the impact of i guess the second wave of the covid cancellations i guess you could call it yeah i mean some would say it's the fourth or fifth total since two years ago but Yeah, this season, it seemed like there was a decent number at the start. And look, we're still relatively early. I know you want to say it's maybe just a little bit more past halfway, but the we we talked about this when we were out in Arkansas. We'll get that a little bit more later on. This the the Omicron variant is definitely contagious in its own right. The hope is that it goes through our country and our culture quickly because other test cases in other countries around the world that has been that case. So even though it may seem bad now with cancellations and positives picking up, for instance, in San Marcos, Texas, and Hayes County, their positive rate's up around 20%, which is, oh, wow. yeah, that's really high. So the danger is there for Texas State to come to Statesboro this week, but really it's there for everybody yeah, because of how you're truly going to be affected by this recent strand. And the women had quite a few cancellations. Little Rock had its entire weekend wiped out. They just announced earlier today they're yeah. not going to be playing their two games this weekend. So despite being one of the better programs in the league, they're going to be four games behind everybody else. And when the 80% comes in, you got to find a way to get over that threshold. Otherwise, you could finish in first but find yourself in last place. Again, this weekend, Georgia Southern with their record coming in 10-3, and 1-0 in conference play, head to Coastal Carolina along the Grand Strand in Conway, South Carolina. As we're joined now by the ESPN voice of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers and Sam Wiederhaft. Sam, appreciate you joining us, bud. 
Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Excited to talk some women's hoops. You know, it's weird. You started off as the radio voice last year for Coastal Carolina because of all the cancellations last year. You and I still have not gotten to meet. Yeah. No, you're right. I Well, we had three games, I think, get canceled and postponed for later dates and you know, all against Georgia Southern. So we're, we're waiting on that trip to, uh, to come to Statesboro, but it hasn't happened in two years. <laughs> Take us into this team, 10-2, and two, a little bit of a tough loss against Troy back on Thursday, 91-80 to 80 over in Troy. But you were with the team all of last year, and it was a tough year a year ago. You had a couple of different players opting out because of COVID. 3-15 and 15 last year, 0-13 in conference play. But in less than a year, you turned that around to 10-2. and two. You guys were receiving votes in the last poll. It's like night and day from last year's team to this year's team. I mean, the guard play is better, and you've seen leaps and bounds from players like Janine Camp, and even Asia Blunt has gotten better. Um, but the big thing that's made this team so much better in the non-conference play has been the freshmen and the newcomers. I mean, there were there were eight newcomers to this team, seven freshmen and one transfer, and they've made the biggest impact. Players like Angie Justine, Aaron Freeman, Jordan Newsom have been huge, and I think kind of unexpected for head coach Jada Williams. I know she wanted them to be good, and she knew they were going to make a big impact, but uh, to be this good, especially in the non-conference season, and then you know Angie Justine had a great game against Troy, so I think that's kind of shocked her a little bit um in in the best way possible and this team is really playing like a team now as opposed to what last year was when we had so many stops and starts um players testing positive less left and right i mean they didn't really get that chance to gel together this team is is really close um you know i see them around campus all the time they're always at the men's basketball games and they're just doing things together so that's the team chemistry part and it's really showing up on the court um they're they're really happy with how they turned out playing in the non-conference games Last year, it seemed like every time that you guys got any kind of momentum whatsoever, there was a COVID stoppage, either between for you guys or for who you were playing. What was it like last year whenever you felt like you had something brewing, it was turn, time to shut it down? Oh, my gosh. I mean, just just for me personally, you know, being the broadcaster, I'm like, all right, we're finally getting games in. Here we go. And then a, a stop. But I couldn't imagine what it was like for the players. I mean, they just... It, 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 like you said, as soon as they felt like they were finally kind of playing together and starting to get things to click, another pause. I, I think there were 17 or 18 games total that got postponed or, and later canceled. So it was just really frustrating. And that's what uh, Coach Williams would always tell me. You know, it's just this is just a really frustrating year. Um, and, you know, she would always tell me that she was looking forward to, to next year when things were back to normal. But it was uh, a very frustrating season for everybody involved. And uh, we're glad that's in the past. Despite as bad as last year was, if it could have been more consistent, if you could have stayed on court a little bit longer, is this something that could have happened last year or did this team need the time to have an off season, to have a lot more time together for this to be able to come to fruition? I think they needed some time. Um, I think just last year losing 70% of your scoring with DJ Williams graduating and uh, not really having a – a lead a, a big score at the beginning of the season asia blunt kind of rised up at the at the end of it but um you know i think this team needed an off season to get together we needed those new players um you know coach williams has told me the guard play this season is a lot better than what she had last year um she's having players play more traditional traditional roles i mean last year tyra brown was our main point guard and that's not traditionally what she is she's more of a shooting guard and now uh, with the addition of Aaron Freeman and Jordan Newsom and Angie Just Jean, she's able to shoot the ball a little more around the perimeter 
and do what she's used to doing. So, you know, last year's team with the COVID pauses, it was frustrating and we never know what that could have been. Um, but this team is definitely just a lot more together and people are starting to play more of the roles they're used to. A couple of players I wanted to ask you about individually for this Coastal Carolina team. And when you're talking about Shauna Clear women's basketball, especially this year, you've got to start with Asia Blunt out of Pennsylvania, 18 points a game, almost nine rebounds a game. What is it about what she is doing that has really elevated her game to the next level? Just her toughness and aggressiveness. I mean, we're always trying to get the ball down low to Asia, and whether she's throwing up just a crazy shot or she's drawing a foul, she is really useful on the court. And uh, that's something she told me that she was working on in the offseason was just ball handling um, and just being more of a leader on the court for these underclassmen. And, I mean, it's evident when you watch Coastal Women's Basketball. You see all the freshmen playing, and Asia Blunt, whenever there's a break in the action, she's always up and, and trying to teach them. Uh, just about the college game and the speed of the college game. So she has been huge this year, obviously. Big player last year. She's uh, added a few more a few more things to her game this year, and but she's been really fun to watch. I mean, whether she's scoring down low or she's drawing a foul and getting to the free throw line, which we all know how good she is at the free throw line, uh, she is a huge player for us in the court. There's no doubt about it. Somebody else you've talked about, Aaron Freeman, a freshman out of Little Rock, Arkansas, leads the team with over three assists per game, almost two steals a game, also leads the team. And somebody for their first year in college basketball coming in and having that kind of impact, especially at a point guard position where you talked about had a little bit out of position a year ago. How much has she meant to this team? You know, Coach Williams told me that uh, before the season started, she was the most improved freshman out of all seven of them uh, throughout the offseason practices. And she's actually had in the preseason scrimmages, she had coaches come up to her and say, Aaron Freeman's going to be a star. Like this is a, a player that's going to develop into being a really good, a really good player for your team. And she already in year one has been awesome. It's really just her athleticism and her ability to see the court um, and just create plays, which is like you said, something that we didn't have last year. And uh, now with the addition of her, I mean, she's been huge. She's been able to get the ball down low, distribute around the perimeter and her defense has also been solid. So Aaron Freeman uh, in her first year has made me really excited to see <laughs> what she can turn into down the line. A year ago, when we go east-west, you're seeing half the league. But in the case of Coastal Georgia Southern, same division, you still didn't play because of COVID. So being that there hasn't been a matchup for two years, how strange is it to get ready for a team that's so close to you, but you haven't seen them on the court in that long? It's it's interesting. Um, you know, I just started my prep today, and I still have the boards I made from last year in preparation for last year's game are all done. So I'm just trying to revamp <laughs> those right now. Um but yeah, you know, just like an in a very close opponent that we haven't seen in two years. I'm sure the team is preparing just like they do uh, every week. But yeah, definitely a really interesting situation um, because I mean, not only you know Coastal had problems with Georgia Southern, but we also had problems with Georgia State last year. I mean, there were uh, I think three games that were postponed and canceled between us two, and then we got one game in uh, in Atlanta against the Panthers. So just excited to see these opponents for the first time for sure. When you look at this Coastal Carolina team, at what point did you realize, okay, this could be something pretty special that this team has turned it around into a special season? Throughout the non-conference, it was kind of tough because, um, you know, we had we had Division three teams on there that we were just trying to get some experience from, which actually kind of turned out to be positive with getting all the freshmen in there and getting them used to the college game. I think it was actually our lone loss in non-conference against St. Mary's, um, you know, West Coast Conference opponent that traditionally has been very good in that conference. Um, coach Williams was taking on her former her, her former college coach 
uh, in that game. And the fact that we had a lead against them, kept it close the whole time, and it took a buzzer beater for St. Mary's to talk take off Coastal Carolina, I think that really showed me that this is not what last year was. I mean, last year we had single-digit wins against UNC Pembroke, and now we're, we're playing tough against St. Mary's. So I – that really showed me that this is a much different team and uh, they're a lot more competitive. I don't think, I don't think Coastal's finishing 11th in the Sun, in the sun Belt like they were picking the uh, preseason poll. <laughs> Sam, really appreciate you taking some time to dive into Coastal Carolina women's basketball. Looking forward to finally getting to meet after you and I have talked for about a year. You saved me a couple of, a uh, couple hours in the car of not leaving <laughs> Statesboro on time, but uh, looking forward to it, bud. Yes, sir, Colin. Thanks for having me on. I was uh, excited to talk about the matchup and definitely excited to watch us on Thursday. Thank you, man. Hey, man. Thank you. Once again, that's Sam Wiederhaft, the TV voice now. He's gone to the dark side for the TV. For... Well, we know somebody else that's done that, too. Yeah, we'll we're, get to him in a minute. We're, we're, we're getting there. Before we dive into what Georgia Southern men's basketball has along the horizon, again, Texas State coming into Hander Fieldhouse on Thursday, UT Arlington coming in on Saturday. We get to see a good number of our friends, hopefully, this weekend. Josh Sowers coming in on Saturday, hopefully. Hopefully he doesn't have uh, too many cockroaches in his... You don't have to put the mic down there. They can see you. Not for the people that are going to listen to this. That's true. Dual purpose. That's true. But, okay. yeah, we'll definitely get some lion manes for Mr. Sowers. And <laughs> what was it we put UAP, his head into the UAPB? UAP and that's how we found out that the lion's mane actually spells out UAPB. That's right. I forgot <laughs> about that. Well, we're going to talk to Brant Freeman here in just a few moments. But before we get into what's ahead for Georgia Southern men's basketball. It was a tough start to the Sunbelt Conference slate for men's basketball this past weekend out in Arkansas. Long. <laughs> <laughs> fell to the Little Rock Trojans 78-66 and then fell 74-56 in a highly contested game against Arkansas State on Saturday. You were there the entire time, and I know a couple of players not available for Georgia Southern, so you have a relatively very short bench yeah. for head coach Brian Berg. What was this weekend like out in Arkansas? Oh, it was eight healthy guys with Trey Cobbs and Getty Usapitis not making the trip because of protocol. And in the case of Trey, that's your starting point guard. He had been there the first 12 games of the season. Getty's been in and out of the lineup, but certainly somebody that has more than enough experience having been here last year. And you could see the effects of not having those two, and especially in the second half of the Little Rock game, because Georgia Southern was up by 10 points with nine minutes left. There were some areas where they looked a little bit rusty, having the extended break not going to Fordham because of another cancellation but then the shots that Little Rock did not make in the first half they started especially from three and the shots that Georgia Southern was making in the first 30 minutes of the game they just stopped falling they began turning it over a little bit more and you'd have to think that having a sixth year senior at point guard and cops would have helped that at least a little bit but credit Little Rock down the stretch for running away with it in effect and scoring 78 points against the Eagles that's usually not an area where Georgia Southern sees an opposing team go they were giving up 59 a game before that and then going out to Arkansas State on Saturday a team that had added a Arkansas transfer in Desi Sills he spent three years playing for the Razorbacks nearly 100 games with established guys like Marquise Eaton the preseason player of the year North Shadow Mir and yeah it did get a little bit testy down the stretch but some of that has to do with some uh, gamesmanship and showmanship from 
a state nation. A little bit of it was Georgia Southern being only eight guys available in the second road game in three days. And it, it felt like that check engine light came on with about 15 minutes left in the second half. And you were hoping that they'd be able to make some threes and defend a little bit just to get back into it. But they never got a handle on the glass. They only made four threes the entire trip. The good thing, though, that off the court, had a chance to take the team to Little Rock Central High School to learn about the Little Rock Nine and the process of integration for schools after Brown versus Board of Ed came down in 54. This was three years later in 57, and I'm not going to spoil the end of the story. You can go and look up some things on the Little Rock Nine, but it is a really fascinating story, and getting a chance to take the team and feel a little bit of history was pretty inspiring. And then right before we left on, on Sunday, uh, Coach Berg taking the team by the Lorraine Motel where Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated back in 1968. And I didn't realize this, but number one, the location is owned by a preservation society, and it's been that way for about 35 years or so. But the room that he stayed in, room 306, there is a white wreath that's on the railing outside of the door that actually showed the spot where he was assassinated. And that was... Holy cow. That was just... That, that got you. Yeah. And the team took a picture right outside. They've got a couple of the older style cars that are in the parking lot. They cut down the parking lot a little bit, but this area has been preserved. And Coach Berg was really knowledgeable about this, telling us about the the history of it and the situation. And look, even though it didn't go well on the court, I would have to think that those guys took something from those two experiences, despite as bad as travel was yesterday (laughs) as well. But finally getting back into town late last night those were those were really awesome yeah it seems like every week we have to dive into what the travel expeditions have been like and you guys were delayed coming out of memphis right you didn't make the connection in charlotte which memphis to charlotte doesn't seem like it makes sense anyway but as much as flying you have to do i i get it well january in memphis apparently is very cold (laughs) So we found that out, and it was just cold enough that there was some ice collecting on the plane. There was a little bit of snow that was falling, and the de-icing trucks that they had on site, none of them were operating properly. So that's what delayed us about four hours while they were trying to get a working truck to de-ice the plane so we could take off. And the thing that stunk was it was only an hour flight. Getting from Memphis to Charlotte only takes an hour. But because we missed that connection, we had to get a bus to get us back down to Statesboro. And again, that didn't take place until about 11 o'clock last night. So the team got today off. And hopefully you get those two back in Usipitis and Cobbs and Hopefully the guys that had to go through that kind of adversity learn something else about themselves and they can attack the Texas schools this weekend. We look ahead to the Texas State Bobcats 9-4 and four on the season. Fell in their only Sunbelt Conference matchup so far this year. 78-63 against Troy back on Thursday <laughs> as we welcome in Brant Freeman, the ESPN now voice of Texas State Bobcats. He has gone over to the dark side as well. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the plus ready to roll. <laughs> What's going on, Brant? Nothing much. There is a qualifier in there, right? ESPN plus, not quite ESPN yet. Uh, but uh, no, guys, good uh, good talking to you. It's been, uh, gosh, what, uh, six weeks or so since we last spoke. I think we, you know, we came on the podcast ahead of the uh, football game, which the Eagles, of course, won in San Marcos and um, you know, it's funny. I was on the ESPN plus call for that. And Danny and I pride ourselves in our boards, right? You know, our spawning charts. And I made quite the error in mine. I had two players for the Eagles on offense, both at 15. 
J.G. McAfee and Duran Burgess Jr. And it messed me up on the broadcast. I misidentified uh, McAfee as Burgess, who had a monster game, but didn't catch the mistake until the third quarter. Um, I know you, there's a passionate following there, Jordan Southern. I'm sure there's some uproar about the, the dumbass announcer. So uh, uh, that's what happened. Apologies to Burgess. Had a great game that day. But good to be talking to you guys again. The, the good Did, uh, thing is that the league is finally starting to put us two together again instead of making it two and three years where we don't <laughs> see each other. Right. Uh, you know, that said, though, you know, um, uh, the only scheduled basketball game this year between the twos and Statesboro, man. I, I can't I can't get you down here for enough. I can't get you down here for two trips to Blacks in one athletic year. It seems oh, sure impossible these days. We come there for baseball. Well, we could always do it twice that, in the same true. trip. But the, well, yeah, we've probably done that a time or two. Hey, at least for Derwin Burgess, you had his height and weight on your board. <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> I got proof. He's got proof. Pulled. You can't see it at all. It's whiting out on the screen. But proof that had information on Burgess, you know, going into that game. Uh, you look at this Texas State team, 9-4, and 0-1 oh in conference play. What is it about this team? Really good a year ago, 18-7, 12-3 in conference play, won the Sunbelt Conference. What is it about this team that has helped carry over? You know, it was funny. You bring up last year, and this time a year ago, if you told me that the Bobcats will win the championship in, in the regular season. I would have believed it. You know, they lost to whatever Our Lady of the Lake is, you know, not conference play. Um, dropped the opener in conference play, Louisiana, um, but then played exceptionally well. This team got it. They figured it out. You know, at this point last year, they've been going through so much. A coaching change, you know, Terrence Johnson, of course, did a phenomenal job, but he was the interim last year you know, taking over for Danny Casper in, in not so ideal circumstances. And certainly, you know, the, the effects of, of trying to play through a, through a pandemic, which it seems like we are again now you know, uh, this year, um, having their season end abruptly the year before, just like Georgia Southern. You know, the, the two, the, these two programs were half of the Final Four in the Sun Belt before the season was canceled yeah. in 2020. Yeah. Um, Having lost their star player, Nigel Pierce, in the graduation, they didn't know their identity this time last year. Um, they brought in a, a sports psychologist. They did everything they could to try to figure things out, and it just came together. You know, last year was a very a special season. It was their first regular season championship since 1999, you know, back when Jeff Foster was playing for the Bobcats and then Southwest Texas. Um, and so a lot of that has carried over into this year. They didn't lose a lot. Um, Alonzo Soule was the biggest loss from a year ago. Now he's playing at James Madison. Quinn Scott also transferred out. Um, he's he's at Tulane. But Isaiah Small, who entered the transfer <laughs> portal but ultimately decided to come back, is back. Mason Harrell, preseason first team, all-conference point guard. Many believed to, to be the best point guard of the conference coming into the season. You know, and Caleb Asbury has been the top scorer this year. Um so a lot of retention as to why they've been playing so well this season. And and you look at non-conference play, they played very well outside the three losses, which came to LSU, uh, Houston, which may have been the best team I've ever seen Texas State play, myself in person, and Vanderbilt, and Scotty Pippen Jr. But then the conference opener happened, and COVID hit the team hard. No Mason Harrell, no Shelby Adams, who's having a career year. 
you know, and, and, and three quality players off the bench, namely Tyrell Morgan and the backup point guard Drew Drennan sunk them against Troy. Give Scott Cross and his team credit. You know, they adjusted their game plan. Hey, there's no point guard of the team. Let's press the whole game. And it worked. Um, you know, the Bobcats were playing from behind the entire game, couldn't get into their offense and, and played poorly. As you would expect, a team missing 33% of its roster would, you know, and then they didn't get the chance to redeem themselves against South Alabama. But odds are, had they even played that game, they still would have been without those five players. Wound up, they were going to be without even more to the point they couldn't even play. So here they are now, 13 games in, nine and four. If they can stay COVID free, which is easier said than done these days, I think they could be pretty good. At full strength, this team is one of the better ones in the Sun Belt, but that's not where they are right now. You know, with the issue Danny Casper had last offseason, we sometimes might lose the fact that Terrence Johnson was one of his assistants. Yeah. Now, even though he takes over the program, defensively, it didn't look like much of a beat was skipped. You've led the league in scoring defense each of the last five years, but how has he put his individual stamp on court for you guys? I think they're playing a little bit more loose, you know, with uh, with Coach Casper. Um, players had sometimes had a fear of playing outside the plays being called, you know, go, going, for lack of a better term, rogue. Not that Terrence Johnson welcomes that. You know, he, he'll, he'll bench a player if he takes a bad shot, but there's a little bit more freedom, specifically within the offense. You know, Danny Casper is a very defensively focused coach, and when it came to offense, was very regimented you know, run the play and nothing else kind of deal. Well, players now, you get in transition, yeah, you can take that shot. You can attack the basket. You, you have an open look at a three, take it. Um, so I think there's, there's a little bit more freedom, you know, letting the players be themselves more than just the system. Um, but that said, there's still a system in place. You know, they still play very well uh, defensively. They're still, they're still disciplined in what they do. But I think the players can kind of relax a little bit more and be themselves under Terrence Johnson than they could have been under Danny Casper. Somebody that you talked about already being bit kind of by the COVID bug, Shelby Adams, somebody that second all-time with 128 games played for Texas State. He has seen a lot with the Bobcats, gone through a lot of transition over the last year plus. What does somebody like that mean to this team with a couple of new guys in over the last year or so? It means the big three of, of uh, Adams, of, of uh, uh, Mason Harrell, Isaiah Small, and Caleb Asprey don't have to carry the team night in and night out. You know, they, they maybe now you have a big four. Adams has been a probably the most consistent player this season. What's funny is his first couple of years, and this came with playing behind and alongside Nigel Pearson. Um, he was a good defensive player. Never really got to do much anything offensively, so any any score you got from him was a bonus. It, it wasn't expected, you know. You, you saw him blossom a little bit last year. Now this year, electing to use his super COVID senior year, whatever we're calling it, um, you know, he's uh, really matured as, as not only as a player, but really I think as a person. He his uh, firstborn son Jace was born over the off season. I think becoming a dad is really. Uh, you know, humble them a little bit, and it's actually kind of helped sharpen his focus somewhat on the court. Um, and uh, you, you got you kind of see that on court maturity from him. And he's a guy that they can depend on, you know, for scoring now, in addition to his defense. And, and his presence was severely lacking um, this past uh, Thursday in the opener against Troy. 
when I the, the first news we got of who were three players that were going to be out, that was Tyro Morgan, Darian Jenkins, and Drew Trennan. They were tough losses, but you thought they could survive without them. And then when you heard Mason Harrell, that really made you take a step back. And then when they said Shelby Adams, that's when you knew they're going to be in a lot of trouble because Adams can play multiple positions. You can maybe run some of the offense through him at the point. You know, defensively, he can be a guy that can get a stop. So not having him, you know, in addition to Harrell, really sunk them against Troy last week. But Adams has been maybe the most pleasant surprise for the team this season. He and Nigel Caesar. I'm just thinking of the fact we spent four years watching Nigel Pearson. I'm not going to worry about that anymore. You decided (laughs) to mesh a little bit of San Marcos with Conway with this Nigel Caesar character. We may as well talk about him because for a program that's it's had a lot of taller players, not necessarily bulkier players. I do think about right. an Eric Terry, who had some size down low, but it's mostly a lot of guys, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, shy of 200 pounds. But in the case of Caesar, he seems that they have a lot of necessary bulk and can be one of the tougher big men in this league. You know what bugs me about him, though? His name is Nigel, and he picked 22. So every time he has the ball, I have to like really think not to call him Pearson. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't uh, say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you're right. And what's funny is that uh, he came off the bench last year, backing up Sule and played well in in a bench uh, role. Sule is gone. He becomes a starter and struggled at the beginning of the year as a starter. So they benched him, electing to start Nate Martin instead. And his mate sees her better. He's been a better reserve player that he has been a starter um he's been a very reliable you know defender and post score he does have trouble with with even bigger bigs um he doesn't run into too many guys bigger than him in the Sun Belt. but like houston for example they had a, a big man who just tore he and, and all of texas state's post players up but he's going to do that to a lot of players in the american let alone the Sun Belt. um but he handles himself very well. He was one of the few Bobcats that had a good game against Troy, you know, this past Thursday. Although, you know, he had his his troubles with Effio Digi, who played exceptionally well for the Trojans last Thursday. Um, but you're right, you know, Danny, uh, you know, when it comes to the post players, he's not really an Eric Terry, um, but he's one that can really handle his own, you know, both ends of the floor in this league. And he's really somebody that they that they need. You know, Isaiah Small plays at the four position. You've seen him, though. The guy might be 140 pounds soaking wet, a real thin. Yeah. They need somebody who can handle the physical play in the conference, and Nigel Caesar is that kind of guy for them in the post. In the case of us, you know, we haven't seen Texas State in two years, and it's interesting to look at how guys have improved. You brought up Shelby Adams, how he's averaging about mm-hmm. nine points per game this year. Typically, he's a defensive stopper. But watching small, I know it was against Houston, and it was against a team that was really good, and it was a sizable yeah. loss. But it really struck me how much better of a player Isaiah Small has been since the last time that we saw them on court. And it's not just you taking notice, Danny. I mean, it's, it's the country, literally. Um, you know, after this past season when he, when he made a jump, and, and, and you didn't see him last year, but I'm sure you followed him between the numbers and following the conferences you do. He made a jump from when you did last see him to a year ago, and and teams took notice. And so because of that, Isaiah entered the transfer portal. Yeah. And there were power five teams looking at him. Baylor being one of them, the team that won the national championship was giving a a good hard look at Isaiah Small. Texas, you know, was giving a good hard look at Isaiah Small. Um, 
he ultimately ultimately elected to come back, and the team is so thankful for that because he's a great two-way player. Um, he's not a, a big physical uh, presence in terms of size, as I talked about, but he, he but he's got length, so he can be a shot blocker. He's a very good rebounder, and offensively, he can stretch the floor. Yes, he can attack the, the basket and score in the paint. But he can shoot from the outside as well. Um, this is a guy who's got you know pro prospects. I don't know about the NBA. You know, but he's going to make some money somewhere, you know, playing the game. Um, he's a good chemistry guy as well. You could tell his teammates love playing with him. Um, there's a lot that he brings to to, to this group of players. And, and uh, um, having him out there, both in the floor, makes such a, a massive impact. And I can tell you that, like, had he elected to, t- to go to the portal and leave, they wouldn't be in the running for a championship this year. He's that important to them. I, I'm not saying it would be tough for them to have lost Harold or Asbury, but of the big three, he's probably the most important one. It's so sad that Brant doesn't come with the team anymore. Are you sure you can't everybody, stow away? Everybody says that. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, appreciate you taking some time to inform us of this Texas State Bobcat squad. Looking forward to the matchup and looking forward to getting to catch up with you a little bit later on. Yeah, same same with you guys. And uh, it, it bums me out, you know, that, that uh, I, I see you less and less these days. <laughs> not only because I'm not traveling, having, you know, d- doing uh, more and more TV these days, but it doesn't seem like the conference schedules Georgia Southern to come to Texas State. And now – that we're adding these four schools, yeah. three of them being, you know, on the East Coast, I feel like I'm going to see even less of you in years to come. This, I mean, this sucks. <laughs> That's all right. Whenever we come down for baseball, me, Danny, you, and Ty Harrington will have to hang out for a little while. Oh, that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the time, Brent. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. Once again, Brent Freeman, one of the best people in this league. There's one way that he has changed since he has gone from radio to ESPN+. Plus. Oh, goodness. He's had to start combing his hair. True. That might be the only change, though. He's just had to start combing he's his hair. He's gotten more professor-style glasses. Well, he's, he's always had the glasses, though. He's always had the glasses. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia Southern is supposed to be taking on Texas State on Thursday. Again, Texas State had... COVID issues within the Bobcats program. Brent talked about it a little bit a few moments ago, but had issues, and that's why the cancellation this past Saturday for those guys. As of right now, we're still all things go for two games this week. Right. It's, again, it seems more and more of a growing concern. We thought we were essentially past this, but still a growing concern, not just for Thursday, but for Saturday. Yeah. UT Arlington had played their game against against rather – played their games last week against South Alabama and Troy. They got both of them in. Yeah. And so UT Arlington looks to be in a better starting position than Texas State, but Lord, who knows? What could throw this even more off is the fact that their first game this weekend, this talking about the Mavericks, is against Georgia State, who didn't play at all last weekend. Correct. And their status, like everybody else's status in this league is undetermined until it's determined. We mentioned already that Little Rock's women, they've already decided they're calling off this weekend because of their own COVID issues. For the second straight weekend. For the second straight weekend. So they're going to be possibly four games 
behind everybody else. They won't have played a league game while somebody could be as much as 4-0. And this isn't the same as it was last year. Last year, if you cancel a weekend, it's two games against the same team. So usually what would happen is you would make one of those up on, say, a Tuesday Correct. before the Thursday or the Friday, Saturday. Right. But now these are not getting made up. They are canceled. They are not postponed. A big difference in what the Sunbelt Conference is doing this year. And it came out right before the start of conference play last week of the new protocols. You have to have seven healthy players and one coach. Walk on scholarship. It doesn't matter. You've got seven players. players. You're going. Warm bodies. That might include us. I don't know. If it does, we're in trouble. You can knock down the free throws. I'll foul somebody. (laughs) But you only got five. <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> but as long as you have seven healthy players and one coach, yep. you have to play the game. Correct. If not, it's a forfeiture. If you ha- don't have the seven healthy and one coach, then it's a no contest. So it's not a forfeiture. It's just the game never happened. The catch side of it, which could hurt you on the back end, if you don't play, I believe it's 80% of your conference games. 80% of the average from the league. Right. Then you don't get into normal seating. Right. And so, come conference tournament play. So it would start to where everybody that did play their 80% of played conference games gets seated like normal. The ones that don't go to the bottom and then are seated below everybody that did georgia state won the east last year and correct they were in danger of not meeting it was 70 percent last year and they right. almost didn't meet that because they had a lot of COVID issues last year like they had nine games seven in conference that did not get played had they not met that threshold they would have gone from one to six in the east like that That's just because crazy. they didn't meet the number it's going to happen this year potentially yeah. for them because they're already two games down, and I would guess that that 80% is going to fit somewhere between 13 and 15. Granted, if this continues like it is, that number could go down. The unpredictability of this makes our jobs a little bit more difficult. We can just say what we see. <laughs> Especially on Monday. But in the next few minutes, the weekend could be drastically dr- drastically different. Yeah. I mean, you look at women's basketball we're without four this past weekend against Arkansas State, got the victory over Arkansas State, and yeah, you always want to start out 1-0, but it looks that much better when you don't have your leading rebounder, your leading scorer, and you still are able to beat a much improved Arkansas State team. And you're finding out just how deep some teams really are. Yeah. Because for some people that may only get 10 to 12 minutes a game, you're having to play 20, 23, 25 minutes a game. Oh, I can do this now, and I can be a factor instead of just being that gap plugger. Do have a little bit of news to get to you coming out of Georgia Southern football. We told you last week that all of the on-field coaches had been set, signed, sealed, delivered. We didn't lie to you, but you we're had st- <laughs> still not really wrong. But it's just a different. Mix. No, we didn't, we were right at the time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't lie. We were right at the time, but just a little while after we got off air last week. Ephraim Reed taking the running backs coach job at Michigan State. So he is heading back up to Michigan State, actually coached them in the bowl game. Yep. And enter Matt Merritt coming in as running backs coach, was the senior offensive analyst for Tennessee last year, was the running backs coach at James Madison in 2019, has spent time two years at Elon as running backs coach and special teams, was a GA, GA rather, wow, GA at Ohio State 
won the national title with them in 2015, a Fiesta Bowl in 16, coached guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Curtis Samuel, so he's done a thing or two. Being a lot of different highly successful places, going across the map, this is a really good move. And like we've said before on this very podcast, the running backs coach at Georgia Southern is a very easy job because (laughs) of how much talent is already in that room. But if you can get a mind like that to take them to another level, that's going to be an even better thing. So Georgia Southern now has the entire on-field staff confirmed, signed, sealed, delivered. On-field is there. Now, could it change? (laughs) I say, did it just change? No. <laughs> do, 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 do. We get the, we get the ticker coming. We really need to find that music somewhere. I need to get with Chambers. Oh, he's I think he's it. under a foot of snow right now, though. He, he's got it somewhere. Too. Yeah, of course he does. It's probably his ringtone on his iPhone 4. He finally made the move. He, no, no more flip phone. <laughs> he would probably still have it if they let him. <laughs> but that'll wrap things up for this week's edition of Inside Eagle Nation. Again, a busy week for basketball. Into the swing of Sunbelt Conference play Thursday against Texas State Bobcats inside Hanner Fieldhouse. The men will tip it off on Thursday against Texas State at 7 p.m. and then 3 p.m. tip-off on Saturday against the UT Arlington Mavericks. Georgia Southern women's basketball on the road this week. Head up to Conway, South Carolina to take on Coastal Carolina. Again, hopefully on Thursday, 6 p.m., the tip-off from the HTC Center. I'm kidding. And then Saturday, 2 p.m., the tip-off against Appalachian State up at the Holmes Convocation Center in Boone. Real quickly, for those of you that are planning on coming to both games this weekend at Hander Fieldhouse, the Texas State and UT Arlington games are part of that 9-1-2 package, nine games for $50. You can go to gsequals.com to look into more regarding that. Get your tickets, get best seats available. That 9-1-2 package does include Texas State and UTA for this weekend. And make sure Nathan takes care of you. Yes. Just Between Nathan and Jack, they've got you covered. Yeah. You've been good hands. Anything you need, tell them that we said they had to do it. All right. Make sure this weekend. Well, we, tell them Danny said they had to do it. Probably carries more weight. <laughs> this weekend, when you go, Chad's going with you? Yes, I'm. All right. Get a fried bologna sandwich and just let me know how it is. Oh, I can tell you how it is. I've never had it, though, because I like the curly burger. I, I, I know, but. Mm. Next time we go, if, well, See, we don't go for baseball. Now, wait year. a minute. See, you always get on me. When we go on the road for getting a cheeseburger with only ketchup, mustard, and cheese, which is pretty accurate. But this place, you get a burger, I get a fried bologna sandwich. Yeah, but you got me interested in what the fried bologna <laughs> sandwich is like because the first time we ever went there, you and I both got the curly burger. Right. I love the curly burger. That's uh-huh. all I've gotten ever since. Correct. But I am curious about the fried bologna. Okay, so what we'll do the next time, you get a curly burger, I'll get a fried bologna we'll sandwich, and we'll half it. Okay. It's cut to... It, it's tough to cut the curly burger. <laughs> oh, we need baseball to get here. <laughs> One sixty-three in the books. There we go. <laughs> this is the time where this is the only time I see you. So basically, what we're doing is videoing us catching up. Yeah, because starting it's tomorrow, essentially what it is. Starting tomorrow, unless for some reason I pass you, I'm not going to see you until next Monday. Yeah. Then baseball will be together 23 and a half, <laughs> seven, 360. Pretty much. And then we go to Omaha. It goes up even more, and we'll, we'll get there. We get there. We're going to Omaha? Yeah. Of course we are. Okay. I'm in. Of course we are. Let's do it. Load it up. <laughs> but again, this weekend, Georgia's. <laughs> women's basketball on the road to Coastal Carolina Thursday, app on Saturday, and then we will head up the mountain 
on Saturday to get everything going. Georgia Southern men's basketball will tip it off. Texas State on Thursday, and then UT Arlington coming up on Saturday. For the Voice of the Eagles, Danny Reed, this is Colin Lacey saying so long, everybody.